Hi, I'm Lisa Moore, one of the pastors here at Coastline Church in Victoria, BC. Welcome to our podcast. All of the content you'll find here is meant to point you to Jesus and to encourage you in your journey wherever you're at. Enjoy the message. Good morning, Coastline Church. How's it going, everyone? Man, it's so good to see you. Thank you so much for being with us on this rainy Sunday. My name is Chris Kong. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And just welcome to church. We're so glad you're here. We have been going through a series called An Unexpected Love Story, and we've been in the book of Ruth, so we're going to continue that. I'm going to jump right in here. And we've been talking about relationships and how Ruth's story can encourage us to continue towards healthy and God-honoring relationships. So I want to recap a little bit. Are you ready? Okay, no one's ready. I'll just... I, all right, I'll wait. I'll wait. No, we're ready. We're ready. Let's recap a little bit. Up to this point in the story, we've been in chapter one and chapter two of the book of Ruth. Naomi and Ruth have been residing in a place called Moab. Naomi, Naomi's husband and her sons have died, but Ruth, Naomi's daughter-in-law, has determined to stay with her. They decide to set out to live in Bethlehem, and once they get there, they actually find themselves in need. But guess what? Ruth has a plan. She tells Naomi she's going to go out and harvest leftover grain from the barley fields to make ends meet. Sounds like tough work. And this is where the as it so happens that Pastor Andy spoke about last week, the as it so happens. Remember, the book of Ruth doesn't have any supernatural events in it. No healings. There's no direct words from God in this book. But we see God's providence working through the story of Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz coming up. The field that Ruth chooses to glean actually belongs to a man named Boaz, a man of standing from the same family as Naomi, husband Elimelech. And this is where we pick up the story of Ruth once again, and we're building on Pastor Andy's message from last week. Last week, Pastor Andy shared this uh, statistic with us. I want to bring it up again. We've actually seen about a 60% decrease in marriages over the last 20 years here in Canada. Isn't that wild? Building on this information, I was doing some Googling, and I found out through Stats Canada that the average age nationally for people to get married right now is about 35.3 years old. And the number of cohabitating couples has increased from 6% in 1981 to 23% in 2021. So to put that into perspective just for a minute, that's an increase of around 283%. What these statistics tell me is that on top of marriages decreasing in popularity, people are also delaying marriage as long as they can and choosing to live together instead of getting married. These numbers, for me, bring a bit of a pastoral concern to my heart. For the state of marriages and even dating relationships today, we are in a culture where marriages are seen as self-serving and disposable. If you don't like your spouse, no problem. Just dump that one and go find a new one. Or better yet, people think, we don't even need to get married. We'll just live together and forego all the commitment of marriage and what a marriage would take. Well, I have news for you. Here at Coastline, we want to continue to encourage healthy, God-honoring relationships. And today I want to discuss how Ruth's relationship with Boaz encourages us when it comes to dating and marriage. Don't worry, maybe you're not in a place to be dating or you aren't married, that's okay. But if you intend to date at some point or you want to be married, you are married, there are some principles here for you today to take in and 
Over the next coming weeks, Pastor Andy will share a message on singleness on March 10th. I know that this will encourage the house as well if you're in that stage. Well, when I was in my second year of Bible college at Summer Pacific College in Abbotsford, I was doing a youth internship at a church in Cloverdale, BC, and I was helping the youth pastor there run games and organize youth nights, and I helped to mentor and train up their youth band at the time. And while I was serving there, it just so happened, right, that I met the most amazing, intelligent, beautiful girl. She was highly regarded by everyone at the church. And as I began to get to know her, I was just excited for the few minutes I get to see her every week as I was serving at this youth group. I looked forward to Tuesday nights because she would be there. And a couple months later, I was in the car with the youth pastor of this church, and he asked me, Chris, have you ever considered Kirsten? And this is the girl I was talking about. She's amazing. I think you guys would be great together. And, and at the time, I have to admit, I actually lied to him. I don't know why. I said, no, I haven't. No, I don't even. Who's Kirsten, you know? I don't know why I answered this way, but I knew that the expectations to be placed upon the person to date Kirsten would be so high. And at this point, I'd already been in contact with her. We were texting back and forth, and we began to study together because we both went to Summit, we found out. She would sit in the very front row, very studious, and I would sit in the very back row and play video games, so pastors can get C's as well and still be pastors. <laughs> Just kidding, I was on the honor roll, okay? <laughs> so we began studying together, sharing music when that was still a thing. Does anyone still share music? Probably not, maybe a playlist or something. And we began to compete on assignments. I love doing that. And we were friends for about eight or nine months, and then when the next school year started, I gathered all of my courage to ask her out. On one rainy night, we were out on a walk around this lake near our college, and we found ourselves in this picnic shelter area, and I told her how much I liked her, and I asked if she'd want to start dating me, and I'll never, ever forget her response. Do you know what she said to me? She said to me, ask me again on Thursday. Ask me again on Thursday. I was like, quickly thought to myself, like, what day is it today? It's Tuesday. Like, I said to her, are you? Okay. Like, it's Tuesday. So you want me to ask you again in two days? Is that what you're saying to me? She said, yeah. I want to know that you're serious about me. And you haven't even taken me out on a date yet. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, we've been hanging out every day for the last few weeks, but I get it. She had a point. So Thursday came along, we had a wonderful dinner date, everything went according to plan, and I asked her to be my girlfriend and we started dating. Thank you, Lord, okay. <laughs> but then a funny thing happened. We were starting to go to church and everyone began to find out about our relationship and they would take the time to come and tell me how amazing Kirsten is. Almost every person came up to me and said, you better not hurt her. Her character preceded her. She was well-respected, deeply loved by the church, and I actually don't think any of my friends went up to her and said, you know what, you better not hurt Chris. <laughs> you know, I've learned throughout the years that even though I was clearly dating up, you don't just attract what you want in a relationship, you attract what you are in a relationship. Your character matters. Your connection matters. Your attitude towards relationships matters. And when it comes to romantic relationships, the opinions of your trusted friends, advisors, and family actually matter. With this in mind, I want to share a message with you today called 
Building meaningful relationships. If you're taking notes, building meaningful relationships. And I'm going to share with you four keys about forming or restoring a meaningful relationship. There's some principle here that we can draw from Ruth's story as we look at how to form and even restore relationships. I have to say to you today, I've been praying. I know that today there are some couples here that need a touch from the Lord. You do. Your relationship needs that fresh water that only the Holy Spirit can give. I want you to know that there is hope for you in your relationship today. And I'm going to pray for you at the end of my message. So the first key to forming or restoring, restoring meaningful relationships is to build your relationship on character. Build your relationship on your character, on good character. Ruth 2, verses 8 to 11. Remember, up to this point, Ruth has been harvesting grain in Boaz's field. And then Boaz tells her, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I've told the men not to lay a hand on you, and whenever you're thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground, and she asked him, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. How you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. See, Ruth's character preceded her. Now, I think that verse 11 has some clues for relationship. We can see that Ruth's character has preceded her. Her decisions and her commitment to Naomi didn't go unnoticed by the people around her. Think about it. She could have left Naomi to go fend for herself as she traveled to Bethlehem, but Ruth determined to support her mother-in-law, even though she didn't have to. And in the same way, I would say today that our character precedes us as well. Oftentimes when it comes to dating, we focus on questions like, is that person attractive? Do they make a lot of money? Do they even excite me? Are they an interesting person? See, these aren't bad questions in themselves, but they're only surface deep. It's true that beauty fades and money comes and goes. Yes, attraction is good, but I have to wonder, why have we been conditioned to seek after surface-level traits when we could be asking about character? Think about these questions. Does this person have faith in Jesus Christ? Do they actually follow him? How do they treat others? How do they handle adversity? What's their response to inconvenience or failure? How do they spend their time and their resources? What's their relationship with their family like? Does this person show integrity, not just in public, but behind the scenes? Are they a committed, loyal person? See, each of these questions gets at the deeper parts of our character. And maybe you hear this list today, you get a little bit uncomfortable, because these questions also apply directly to us as we seek relationships as well. It's easy to focus on what the other person has to bring to the table, but we also need to work on our own character. We need to ask ourselves, am I the person God wants me to be for the woman or man that he has for me? It's a good question to ask. We can't expect to build healthy relationships on a foundation of sinful living. Our character matters. Having a deep well of character will support a relationship through the good times and the hard times. Looks can't do that. 
Money won't bring you comfort in the long run. And how we treat people, the things we spend our time and our money on, the way we pursue personal and relational purity is important for healthy relationships. Don't miss what I'm saying here. Purity is part of our character and pursuing it is necessary to build a healthy relationship. Only you know where you're prone to sin. You are the best to know the things that could hold you back from a healthy relationship. Trust me when I say this, getting into a relationship doesn't fix the underlying things going on in your life. It doesn't. But if we don't work on these issues, we will bring them into our relationships and we don't wanna do that. I wanna say this, if you're struggling with sin, I encourage you to reach out to a trusted person, pastor, or even a counselor. Get some help if you need it. When it comes to dating, in the Christian context, dating is for the purpose of moving towards marriage. With this in mind, we begin to learn more about our significant others. We begin to find out what really makes them tick, how they think and how they act, and we have to pay attention to their character. Can we agree together today that we shouldn't cover up the red flags in a relationship? Let's agree to that. We all have flaws, but let's not make excuses for the flaws that we see in our boyfriend or girlfriend. Dating is hard and we wanna make relationships work, but if your significant other is mean to the waitstaff at a restaurant, they might just be a mean person. They might have an anger problem, but Chris, he's so nice to me. Yeah, but if he, his true character, his true colors aren't Christ-like, that's a red flag. That's something you gotta work out. Yeah, but he can change. Well, that might be true, but if you simply cover it up, if you try not to rock the boat and overlook something so important as character, that relationship could turn out to be problematic in the future. And as we date, we build our relationships on a foundation of Christ-like character. We wanna live and act and be like Christ. Can I get an amen on that one? Come on, <laughs> it's good. Maybe you're past the dating stage, you're already married, what does this mean for you? People committed in a marriage relationship have just as much work to do as those who are dating. It's true, you can't do a marriage on autopilot. Building character is a lifelong journey. If you're married, you most likely know the issues in your marriage, and what I would encourage you is to commit to having good Christ-like character as a spouse. If you think today that you're perfect and you have it all worked out, I encourage you to ask your spouse to name something that you can work on. Do it, I dare you. You'll get something, I'm sure. Let me share just a general example. As we seek to build healthy relationships in marriage, let's determine to have no white lies and no secrets. No white lies, no secrets. Don't twist the truth to make yourself look better. Don't keep any secrets between you and your spouse. Your bank account is open. How you spend your money shouldn't be a secret. Your calendar is open. How you spend your time shouldn't be a secret. Pastor Andy says it this way in his premarital counseling sessions with couples. He says, the highest commitment requires the highest access to information. The highest commitment needs the highest level of access to information. If you're married today, you're in a fully committed, accountable relationship. In sickness and in health, for richer or poorer, all of these vows speak to the strength of an accountable relationship with your spouse. Are you afraid to leave your phone on the counter? Does your spouse know the PIN numbers and login passwords to your logins? 
What would they say if they checked your unfiltered browser history? Do they have access to your texts and your call log if they wanted to see them? For me, I know I'm not scared when I leave my phone on the kitchen counter. Kirsten can check my texts. She can see my calendar. She can read my emails. She can ask where I am or where I intend to be. I want us to continuously build trust. And it helps that I'm a pretty boring person. <laughs> There's not a lot to see there anyways. Don't hear what I'm not saying, my friends. Access to information isn't about controlling your spouse. It isn't. It's about opening yourself up to an accountability relationship with them. It's about building and establishing a lifelong trust. And ultimately, it's about building your marriage on a foundation of Christ-like character. If you're struggling in this area of your marriage, there's hope for you today. There might be some big steps that you have to take, but there's nothing better than living with a clear conscience with your spouse who has committed their life to you. And I know Christ can help you with that. So that's the first key to building or restoring your relationships. The second key is to invest in connection. Invest in connection. Ruth 2, verse 14. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, come over here, have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. Come on, who doesn't like some of that? When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. As Pastor Andy mentioned this last week, this was probably something akin to Ruth and Boaz's first date. They're sitting down at the table and they're sharing a meal together. They aren't moving too fast and they aren't moving too slowly. If you're dating right now, it's okay to move at the speed of trust in your relationship. I doubt that Ruth and Boaz were doing a deep dive into their past relationship traumas on this first date, but they did spend time connecting. Ladies, you want to find a guy who will initiate connection with you. Find someone who will initiate connection with you, like Boaz. Let them pursue you. And what I mean here is that they wouldn't just pursue you for your body or for your looks, but they would pursue you for who you are, for your character, for your life story, for your personality, how God has made you. And for the men in the room, would you let God restore your confidence in who you are and what you have to offer? Remember that the first sin in the Bible was when Eve ate that fruit. It was in part due to the passivity of Adam. He watched as Eve ate the fruit. Even though God instructed them not to do it, he chose not to protect her from this moment. You have what it takes to be a man of standing, like Boaz. And as you date, there are more things to focus on than just building a sexual relationship. You can and should build a friendship. Invest in your connection, not in just what base you can get to with that person. Married couples in the room, I want to encourage you as well. Would you keep initiating connection? Don't stop responding to the efforts of your spouse. Don't let your heart harden towards your spouse. It's easy to do. Building a healthy marriage is hard work. I know, over the past 10 and a bit years I've been married to Kirsten, We've had to be really intentional about our connection. It's something that I'm still working on even today. We know what it's like to work full time and have the kids and then try to find time to invest our connection. We know what it's like to finally get the kids down at 8 p.m. and then you're so tired you just want to pass out. We still have to initiate connection. We still have to respond to the efforts of one another. And this is true whether or not you have kids. Remember, you have to fight for your relationship. You do. You are a life partner, not a roommate. 
You need to hear that today. You're, you're a life partner. You're not just a roommate to your spouse. Take time to invest in your connection as a couple. And maybe you have to even schedule time for your marriage if you have to. But make your relationship a priority. So today, we've been talking about forming and restoring meaningful relationships. The, the third key that I have for forming or restoring a meaningful relationship is to use kindness and generosity to express your care. Use kindness and generosity to express your care. Let's continue on in chapter 2 of Ruth, 15 to 16. As Ruth got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men, let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. Here we see Boaz using his kindness and his generosity to express his care for Ruth. Boaz was a generous man. He was a giver. The Old Testament law stated that landowners were supposed to leave the leftover grain in their fields for the poor so they could go on the second pass and pick up the leftover grain. But here Boaz also tells his workers to pull out extra stalks of collected grain for Ruth. And you kind of have to ask yourself, why did he do this? You see, Boaz was guarding Ruth's dignity. He didn't let her continue to collect grain from the fields, or he let her continue to collect grain from the fields. It wasn't just a simple handout. She actually had to put the effort in to collect the grain. But he did make it easy for her. He did give her more than she should have expected. He went out of his way to bless her. And he didn't do what just the law required. He blessed her with more. He was kind and generous to her. Verse 17. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she'd gathered, and it amounted to about an ephah. Now, an ephah at that time was equal to two weeks' wages. Over one day gleaning the fields, Ruth was able to collect two weeks of wages. This blessing was far and beyond what was required of Boaz. And I don't know about you, when I read this story, I see how God's love for us acts when we look at Boaz, how he acted towards Ruth. We are so loved by God. We are under his care and his mercies are new for us every single morning. He has blessings for us. He's blessed us with the free gift of grace. He's made salvation possible to us through his son Jesus' death and resurrection. We don't have to prove ourselves for it, friends. We don't have to pay anything for it. All we have to do is believe in him and we can inherit eternal life. That's good news, friends. Maybe you need to hear this today. No matter what your relationship status is, you are deeply loved and cared for by our God. You are not defined by your relationship status. You are a child of the living God. So we see that Boaz used his kindness and generosity to express his care. The Lord Jesus does that same thing for you today. His generosity is for you. His kindness is for you. All you have to do is let him in. So what does all this mean to those who are dating today? I would say to you, don't settle. Don't find someone who just meets your expectations. Find someone who exceeds them. And also, don't hear what I'm not saying here either. A mile-long list of expectations is impossible for anyone to fill. It's important to evaluate our expectations and prioritize them. Men, if you're looking for a Ruth, would you be a Boaz? 
Determine that you're going to be kind and generous. Be a giver. Not as an act, but as a reflection of God, his love and his care for you. Ladies, today, if you're looking for a Boaz, would you be a Ruth? Would you invest time and effort into your character? And remember what I said earlier. In relationships, you don't just attract what you want. You attract what you are. For those who are married in this place today, I encourage you, surprise your spouse with extra. Go the extra mile for them. Remember their wants and their needs and take time to exceed them. And even better, you can learn what their love language is and really go big with it. If you haven't read it, The Five Love Languages is a book by Gary Chapman. It talks about how each person gives and receives love. I encourage you to get a copy. In essence, the book describes that there are five love languages. They are these. Words of affirmation, physical touch, receiving gifts, quality time, and acts of service. Knowing and actually understanding your significant other's love languages will bless your relationship, I promise you. It's important to note that just because you receive love a certain way, it doesn't mean that your spouse receives it that same way as well. Let me give you an example, okay? Kirsten's main love language, the way she gives and receives love is through acts of service. She will feel my kindness, love, and affection when I help her. This could be through doing chores, working through problems together, and especially offering and following through on my commitments to help her. So, I should know that me doing chores without her asking actually expresses my love for her very clearly. I can tell you I'm working on this right now, but I pray, Lord, help me to want to do the dishes. I do. Maybe you can pray for me that too. I'm a bit different. I primarily give and receive love through physical touch, And although Kirsten may be expressing her love for me through acts of service, like doing laundry or cleaning, thank you so much, honey, if you're listening, I appreciate that. It may not always register with me as strongly, uh, with me strongly as her embracing me or holding my hand or giving me a kiss. If you want to form or restore a meaningful relationship with someone, would you use kindness and generosity to to express your care for them? Go out of your way to be kind to your spouse. Learn how they are loved. Not because they did all these things first, but because you can learn to be a giver. And finally, the fourth key to forming or restoring a meaningful relationship is to let those close to you bring confirmation. Let the people close to you bring confirmation to your relationship. Ruth 2, verses 18 to 19. She carried it back to town. This is the grain that she had. And her mother-in-law, Naomi, saw how much she'd gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she'd eaten enough. Verse 19, her mother-in-law asked her, where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Naomi saw the effect that Boaz had on Ruth's life. His kindness was evident to all. And I don't have to tell you that sometimes love is blind. What I can tell you is that if you feel the need to hide your significant other from your family or your friends, that might not be a good sign. That might be a red flag. It's always a good sign when those who love you the most like who you like. 
Don't shy away from those probing questions, the hard questions that your friends and family might ask you, because it takes humility to listen to the people around you. And I encourage you, let the Lord speak to you, not only through his word, but through the people that he's placed in your life to advise you. Listen to the people who know you best. You see, Naomi was actually able to confirm that Boaz would be an important person in Ruth's life. Verse 20, he's one of our guardian redeemers. He was a close relative and his duty was to help or redeem a relative in serious difficulty. And we're gonna talk more next week about the guardian redeemer concept. But if you're dating, I encourage you, would you let your parents or siblings the people you trust weigh in on your relationship. And if you're not close with them, would you invite whoever is close, who knows you best into the mix? Let the people closest to you confirm your relationship. And if you're married in the house today, I wanna encourage you that those closest to you should be able to witness the bond that you have with your spouse. Pete Scazzaro, the author of Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, says that your marriage is your loudest gospel. Your marriage is your loudest gospel. Would you let your marriage bond speak to the culture of today, where marriage rates are declining and divorce rates are increasing, where commitment is low? Your union, your marriage can serve as a reflection of Jesus Christ's love for his people and his church. Your patience and kindness, your generosity will speak to the commitment and the sanctity of your marriage if you let it. Because ultimately, it's Christ. He's the one who brings strength to your life and your relationships in any stage or phase. Christ be the center. We need you, Jesus. So I wanna pray for you today. But before I do, if you're looking for someone to date or you're dating, I wanna pray for you that you would have a strong commitment to building your character in a Christ-like way. That God would continue to shape and form you into a great life partner. And secondly, I wanna pray for any married couples in the room here today or those who are watching online. Maybe you're hidden in a rough patch or you find yourself in a desert place. I believe today that God's spirit wants to pour life back into your relationship. Restoration is just around the corner. You can rebuild relational currency and move towards trust as you focus in on Christ and how he loved you. So let's pray today. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much that you are here in this moment. Holy Spirit, would you speak to hearts and minds about our relationships, about our character. Lord, I pray for those who are seeking relationships. God, I pray that you would give them the spirit of truth. God, would you help them to live with godly, Christ-like character? Would you bring to their mind, even right now, things they can work on, things they can submit to you, sins they can ask for forgiveness or repent of today? Lord Jesus, have your way in this room today. We need you, Jesus. Lord God, I specifically think of the marriages represented in this room. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would even right now, Holy Spirit, begin to rebuild and put together marriages that are on the rocks. 
hurting marriages, broken marriages. Lord Jesus, we need a touch from you today and we believe you can do this. You are good. So Lord, would you give us forgiveness for our spouse? Would you raise up patience within us? God, would you help us to love them like you loved the church? We need you today, Jesus. Would you be in and through all of our relationships today? God, have your way in the people of Coastline Church. We love you, Lord Jesus. God, I thank you so much for those who are here today and those who are watching online. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would bless them with a close relationship with you. Would they see your truth as you speak to them and would they act on it today? We love you, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.